Get ready for brilliant people, brilliant ideas, and a regular good time. This is Brilliant Thoughts with Success People editor Tristan Almada, the show that thinks about how personalities, relationships, and communication shape business success. And now here he is, Tristan Almada. If you know sports, you've probably heard of the Clutch Sports Group. For everyone else, it's the agency founded by LeBron James's best friend, Rich Paul. Well, when Clutch needed a new president of football operations, guess who they chose? Yep, you're right, my next guest, Nicole Lynn. She signed her first NFL client at age 26 and in 2019 became the first black woman to represent a first round pick when her client Quinnen Williams became the third overall pick. Now she's out with a new book titled Agent You. Nicole is an inspiring person, extremely knowledgeable, and I had a great time talking to her. Listen in. Welcome back to another episode of Brilliant Thoughts, a success podcast. And today I've got Nicole Lynn with me. And I'm excited because I read her book. And man, it's it's my first time interviewing anyone like her. So, Nicole, welcome. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me. Well, let, let's get right into it because the first thing I thought of when I saw the cover of your book and okay. I read the inside, I'm like, this is like the show Ballers. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. It was like, Ballers I, I, is a little fictitious, but yeah. I mean, I figured it was very fictitious, right? But <laughs> Some of the stuff I'm assuming correlates with with your world, right, and your life. And I want to know how you got started as a sports agent. Sure. So I'm an NFL agent. I represent NFL players. I'm also certified in the NBA, and I represent softball players, so Olympic athletes. You know, when I was a teenager, you know, part of my background and my story, I grew up in a very rough area, impoverished neighborhood. And a lot of the guys that kind of came from poverty, like I did, ended up getting college scholarships for football. And I would watch them play football and be successful and get drafted and make a lot of money. And then somehow they ended up back in that same place that we started. Mm -hmm. And I just immediately had this passion for how can I help the, how can I help the human? So it was not a, I'm a huge football Mm -hmm. fan because funny enough, and don't tell anybody, but I'm not even a sports fan. I'm not the person that like grew up wanting to play, you know, wanting to play all the sports and watch on Sundays. I don't watch sports in my free time. I, to me, it's work. It was more of about the athlete. And so once I kind of figured out, okay, this is what I want to do. I got a business degree. I spent a little bit of time working on wall street. You know, I originally thought I wanted to be a financial advisor to athletes. And so I said, I'm going to go to New York city. I'm going to work on wall street. I'm going to go to the best investment banking um, firm. And then, become a financial advisor. And I emailed a financial advisor that represented a bunch of players. And he's like, Oh my gosh, I get this email every day, but I'll give you an hour. And in that hour, I learned really quickly that the financial advisor is not really the touch person. It was the agent. And so right when I figured that out, I went to law school and the rest is history. Nice. I I love that. I love that you figured out quickly. It's like, Hey, this is not the path. Let's go this route. (laughs) Those hours on wall street are not fun. All right. All right. So then help me understand the part of your business that that you love the most, because you said 
it's not so much about the sports itself. It's about helping the individual. And where do you think that comes from? Does that come from you witnessing what was happening in your world? Or does that come from a different part, like family or, or close relatives? So my favorite part about my job is really the mentorship and my ability to teach. I love teaching. I've got a program that I make all of my guys go through. I call it rookie school or they call it rookie school, but I call it fishers of men. And it's basically adulting skills, everything from how to tip at a restaurant, how to taxes work, how to tie a tie, kind of your basic life skills for guys that have not had nine to fives, right? They can't have internships when they play football. So I love that part of my job. I love to be able to empower them beyond the field. And I, you know, I think it just came from my own upbringing and that they're so relatable. You know, a lot of those experiences that many college students had in high school, you know, they had parents that worked nine to fives and they got to see what corporate America was like. I didn't have that. And so I think it just comes from knowing my lack of knowledge going into college and after college and how much that's probably very similar to their stories. Got it. That, that makes sense. Where are you, where are you at now? What state or what main city? I'm in Houston, Texas. Oh, nice. Nicole, you've got a new book came out agent you. Now I don't want to mess up the subtitle. It's show up, do the work and succeed on your own terms. What made you decide to write this book? You know, I get the question all the time. How did you do it? Right. There's 900 certified agents. Only 1% are women. Very few are black women. How did I get over the hump? Right. What, what, what was my claim to fame? And a lot of it was being my authentic self, taking calculated risk and finding my purpose and being very intentional. And I just felt like the world needs to hear this because it applies for anyone in the workplace, anyone trying to get their dream job, anyone trying to get a seat at the table. And so, you know, I'm very much, again, I talked about teaching. I love to teach. I love to mentor. And so my thought was, I'm going to write the blueprint. This is how I did it. And it's not a memoir. It's not my life story. Yes, there are some portions of my story throughout, but it's more of, Mm -hmm. here's how you get there. Here's how you find your dream job. Here's how you walk in purpose. Let's do it. Here's how you brand yourself professionally. You know what I noticed in the book as I read it, besides the forward by uh, by Gabrielle Union, which was super cool. I'm going to ask you about that. I'm going to ask you about that. All right. But (laughs) I I noticed that the book was, I, I felt was helping you become a better version of yourself and then finding that purpose, right? Cause it starts find your purpose, right? Mm-hmm. But the whole book, it's like an evolution of you and yes. not you, but you as the person that, that we're reading. I'm like, Oh, this is really cool. So I love that about the book. It's like, like a plan. Hey, this is you're in sports. So you always hear, trust the process, trust the process, yep. right? Yep. I feel like this is the process. It is. It is finding your purpose, executing a plan, and then finding peace throughout it, right? Because happiness is not always tied to kind of those early stages of really walking in your purpose. So yeah, I mean, so, it's a game plan. So let's let's start with, with the first few chapters. You talk about find your purpose, get your dream job, and be your authentic self. Can you summarize what that means to you? When, when you're saying find your purpose, what does that mean? You know, every time I speak or I'm on a panel and I actually say this in the book, if you are not walking in your purpose, you're just working and living to die. To me, it means completing the most important mission of your life. 
right? It's not just working day in and day out to one day leave this earth. That's not what we're put here for. It's finding the way to make the impact. And I really believe that purpose should not be this difficult, right? It should be something that you enjoy and something that is what I call in the book, your superpower. And so for me, I mean, that's, that's the starting point. That's the starting point. And, and agent you, even the definition, it really means, you know, you being your own agent. It's kind of like if you hired me to work in your life and to help you get that seat at the table or get that amazing nine to five job that you wanted or start that company, what direction would I give you? Because I'm an agent. That's what I do. I negotiate. This is my skill set. I want you to be your own agent. I want you to have that skill set as well. I love that. All right. So when it comes to being your authentic self, then what do you mean by that? Because when when you're talking about purpose, I could I could hear in the background um, for me, because I, I've read Simon Sinek start with why I'm like, oh, this is this is awesome. This is what he means. Right. You're you're saying the same thing. But then you talk about your authentic self. And then you bring that into it. Tell me about that. Absolutely. You know, I look very different than most of the people in my field. I'm also an attorney and I've practiced law for the past six years. And even in the legal force, I look very different. I do things differently. I think when I made the decision to be exactly who I was and not fit in, that is when I really became successful, right? You wouldn't even have me on this podcast if it wasn't for me making the decision that I'm going to be different and be who I am. And so it's really, once you find that purpose, doing it your own way, right? There's what they say, there's more than one way to skin a cat and there's more than one way to really get your dream job and to really be successful. And and whatever that looks like, being true to that. All right. So you have a lot of solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, business-oriented people listening in. And they they sometimes struggle with that idea of being their authentic self because they figure, well, you know, I'm, I'm reading this book over here or I'm, I'm watching this person on social media and that's cool. I want to be like that person. So sometimes us looking inward to other people's successful life convolutes that authentic self. How yeah. do you how do you teach those people that you're guiding, you know, those those NFL players, hey, look, that's cool that you want to be like this person, but it's it's time to to be you and this is how you do it. What are those steps that you recommend? I mean, first of all, it's realizing that the secret sauce is you, right? I can try to replicate what someone else has done. But really what I have to offer that little bit of difference is what makes the clients choose me. Anyone they're meeting with, especially top players, can negotiate top deals and do a great job. So why do they choose me? There's something different about me. And when I'm talking to entrepreneurs and you know, even when it comes to branding, finding a way to set yourself apart. And you know, when you're looking at the market, generally, it's the same thing over and over and over. So being comfortable mm-hmm. with this is going to be my edge. Like, what is your X factor in your business? What is that X factor that says, this is just as good as the other companies, but there's a secret sauce there. There's something different that makes me want to go there instead. All right. It's, it's like you said in the book, what's your superpower, right? Yep, exactly. Well, Superman can fly. Hulk has super strength, right? I love that you I'm brought sure. that up because I have Superman in my background. I'm like, <laughs> Superman. I love it. I see it. Um, so that's super cool. I, I love that. And how... How do you guide those those people? And this is important for those people listening in because sometimes it takes them years to figure this out. But yeah. how do you guide those those new rookie-ish football players year one, year two, and help them 
help them treat themselves like the brand. Because I think the younger you are, and in some cases, just you never break out of it. But how do you step out of that and realize that, you know what? What people see is that perception you're creating and that becomes reality. How do you have them snap out of that and say, hey, hey, it's time to treat yourself like that brand. Here's here's what you do on a daily basis or weekly basis. How do you do that? I think people, when they hear the word brand, they automatically think of something tangible or big companies. They don't think of humans. Humans as just individuals are brands. And so it's a conversation I have very early on with my players. What is your brand? What are going to be the pillars that you define how you are viewed as an NFL player, as a human, as a philanthropist? You know, we make that decision very early on. And so I think it's just number one, identifying that you are a brand. I mean, I think that's one of the hardest parts. People don't Mm -hmm. see themselves as brands. And that's everything from what I put on social media to my website, to what I say when I speak on panels, it all must align with whatever brand pillars I have chose. I like that because I think even outside of sports, right? People that are running businesses, especially those people that are starting off as solopreneurs, they are their brand. That's it, right? It's no longer, it's no longer like, like Seth Godin said, it's no longer a brand is an actual product. It's not like that anymore. Exactly. It's it's not a logo or color. And I love that you brought that up. So Thank you for bringing that up, which also leads me to, to that chapter you talk about the Mamba mentality. And yeah. I mean, who doesn't love Kobe? Right? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So tell me, tell me what that means to you, because that is always inspiring anytime I read about that. So tell me. You know, it's it's making sure that you understand, number one, how much work goes into sometimes being successful, being an entrepreneur. And also deciding that that's how you want your life to look. And I think about Kobe Bryant and how much extra work he put in than his peers and his teammates. All right. He showed up at the gym at 4 a.m. He was always the last to leave. You know, that is part of the reason why he was great. But it's also a decision that he made that that is how he wanted his life to look. And it's okay if you don't want your life to look that way. But I think it's making a decision very early on. Yes, I'm going to be the person that does the extra mile in every single thing I do. Or just fine to say, work-life balance is important. I'm going to give 100%, but not a percent more. And so mama mentality is being comfortable in that decision. And then once you decide, I'm, do- I'm going to do whatever it takes, understanding that it's going to be really tough and that you may not reap the rewards quickly, but that eventually you'll get to that end game. That's, uh, that makes sense. And you said something there that, look, it's not, it's not bad that you don't want to be not that person because it looks out of whack like there's no balance right Mm -hmm. and that's okay if you don't want to do that and i think it's your decision but how do you identify those people that really that you say wow this this person is super special and is going to be elite because i mean all all the athletes are already elite (laughs) way more elite than we are athletically yes exactly (laughs) And not, I mean, not only physically, but mentally, mentally, right? yeah, mentally that, tough. That, that I think is something that isn't spoken about enough, but how do you identify even the elite of the elite? What is it that they have? You know, for me, when I'm recruiting, obviously I looked at athletic ability and how they play the game, but you hit it right on the, the nail, you know, mental toughness. That's another thing. That's another characteristic that I'm looking to, you know, I also love to find people that love the game of football. 
There's a lot of players that are great at the game of football and do it because it pays a check, but they don't love it. It's no different than if you're an attorney and you're an amazing attorney and you make good money, but it's not your dream job. And there are a bunch of NFL players that are like that. And that's okay. But I prefer to, to represent people that love the game because I find that when you love what you do, you will give it your all. And I'm going to give 150% every time. And I want my guys to give 150%. And so I look at that. I also look at character, you know, people that are well-respected and, you know, that treat others with respect and that we can have a good relationship. I like that. Uh, it sounds like that's part of your your presentation on why people should hire you. Because I'm like, oh, this is I would totally hire you on that one. <laughs> I was like, that's amazing. I hope I all the that. NFL players are listening. <laughs> Hell yeah! I mean that that's important. I think yeah. you have to love what you do, which I think goes back to the very beginning of your book, which is you're finding your purpose and you're being your purpose. authentic self, right? Yep. Exactly. So you also mentioned staying ready, and and I think that. That I, I don't think I've ever heard or read anybody talk about that. I've seen it here and there, but nobody ever wrote about it. And I think you make it a whole chapter. Can mm-hmm. you explain to me what you mean by staying ready? Because I loved how you put it in the book, but you wrote it. So you tell me. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's staying ready so you don't have to get ready. And that you have no idea when you're going to have that moment where you meet that client that takes your business to the next level. You have no idea when you're going to meet that person that can get you your dream job. You have no idea when you're going to be able to pitch something and it's actually going to get accepted. And so being ready at all times, I mean, I've had some hard moments in my career where I wasn't ready and I missed out on opportunities. And so Mm. I preach this to every person I talk to that's really on this journey of finding their purpose and being successful is be ready whether that's having your resume ready to go in case you meet the CEO of so-and-so company that is your dream job, or whether it's having your business plan, right? If you're modeling, your comp card, whatever that may be, not having to go back and prepare. It's ready to go for when that moment just, you know, kind of out of nowhere comes in your path. Nicole, I, just from talking to you, um, I, I feel like you, you work on your mind a lot so that, you're consistently ready for the opportunities that present themselves. How do you stay mentally elite so that you see those opportunities and you take advantage of them? You know, it's tough. There's, it's, it's, you know, that's a good, it's a deeper question, but kind of on the surface, I make sure that I'm prepared and that I am always, and I don't want to say the smartest person in the room, but I am always the most prepared person in the room. So when that opportunity does come, one, I'm not dealing with imposter syndrome or not feeling like, you know, I'm not prepared or not worthy of the opportunity. So it doesn't mean I'm always the smartest person, but I will always be the most prepared. And so even when I meet with players, right, if I'm sitting there with a receiver, I'm going to know how many touchdowns, how many yards did he have? You know, what are his stats? What is this 40? You're never going to catch me slipping. That's the way I look at it. And that helps with my mental preparedness and that I'm more confident. When I know more, I'm more confident. And that has a lot to do with it. I love that. I, I, in that undertone, I'm sensing the, the mama mentality. Is I'm going to outwork you. Yeah, right? Every time. But I don't want to make it seem as if that is the only way. And that's okay. something I have learned later in my career. You know, pushing yourself to the brink of exhaustion. I, I mean, that's not the goal here. Right. And that's something that I am terrible with. And I have, you know, I'm, I'm guilty of overworking 
There's a mm-hmm. difference between overworking and hard work, right? Overworking and working hard. And so it's something that you've got to be able to find that balance. And so I don't want to preach that you have to do all of this to be successful. There are other ways, but if you decide, Hey, I'm going to be this person that's going to give 150%, be prepared for what that comes with. You know, I was, I was reading one of Ryan Holiday's books. He's a stoic philosopher. Um, and he mentioned that it's not so much balance. It's, it's harmony. Yep. And because balance is like all these equal equal parts, but I think with high achievers, you have like disproportionate things, right? And yeah. they try to make everything else work with that, and that's the harmony. So I think I think you answered that perfectly. So thank you for that. And what else do you do on a on a daily or weekly basis that has helped you stay at at a place where you're comfortable mentally, but you keep on challenging yourself. Is there anything that you do on a daily or weekly basis? You know, I wish I could say that I'm an expert in, and it almost sounds like you're kind of also alluding to self-care. You know, this is something that I've actually filled in over and over. And it's something that I'm trying to get better at. You know, for the last six years, I've been a sports agent full-time at an agency and been a full-time attorney at the same time. Two different companies, two different types of work. I've done both and I've, you know, really forgot about my personal life, forgot about taking care of myself until I really had to make a choice because my body Mm. said, we're not doing this anymore. (laughs) So about about a month ago, I left both and, and got, went to a new agency. So now I'm at, you know, I have one job. So, you know, on a daily basis, it's just, it's really protecting myself from myself. I'm naturally a hard worker. I'm naturally Mm. the Mamba mentality. And so I have to be cognizant not to go too far. And that's not easy for me. And I know that sounds crazy to certain people that are listening. And, you know, it's just for me, it's protecting myself for myself. You know, that that actually reminds me of a quote I read yesterday, which is cool, <laughs> by Marcus Aurelius. He says, what stands in the way becomes the way, but we're often oh, the ones in the way, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, that's so good, good Nicole. I, plus, I just followed you on Instagram too. So there you go. <laughs> no, I was looking you. for your Instagram you handle. I was like, oh, there, there you are. I'm following I, you. I will follow you back. Thanks. All right. So you say get comfortable with losing and you started talking about, about that a little bit and saying, hey, look, I, I failed over here or I'm not doing this great over here. And I think getting comfortable with losing is, is a really an amazing mental feat because yeah. most people never get comfortable with it. And they have this this victim mentality, and that's what brings them down. Tell me what it, what you have noticed has helped you with getting comfortable with it. You know, it does take time to get to the point where you are okay knowing that you are going to lose and that, you know, winning may, may not come immediately. I think kind of early on recruiting or even in my nine to five, mistakes are going to happen. People are not going to choose you. You know, there are going to be parts of your business that may fail. You've got to walk into it in the beginning, knowing that, that it's not going to be perfect and that you're okay if you do fail, right? I'm comfortable with knowing that this is going to likely happen and that I'm going to continue to go forward. You know, every winner that you see or people that are successful, there is a hiccup along the way. But I think for me, it's the mindset of knowing the hiccups will come. And it's not like an anxiety of, oh, I know something bad's coming. It's more of a preparation. Life isn't perfect. 
hiccups are going to happen along the road. I'm going to lose quote unquote. And so preparing myself, it's going to happen and I'm going to keep it rolling. How do you prepare those athletes that you're helping? Because the ultimate, I'm assuming this because I'm not in your world, but the ultimate loss for them would be if they get injured and it's a permanent injury, right? Mm, Yeah, that's tough. How do you, how do you prepare them for that? both physically and financially, what are you doing? You know, when it comes to athletes, I'm always making sure that my guys have something off the field and they have a plan when the game is over. I want to make sure that their transition out of the league is seamless. And so I start those conversations very early on. That way, God forbid, a season ending or career ending injury happens or they're cut or, you know, something else happens where they can't play. We're not last minute trying to find a plan B, find something that they love to do, find something that aligns with their purpose. We start those conversations when they're at the top, right? When they are at the very top of the mountain, when they are excited about what they're doing, when they're being very successful, we talk plan B then. It's a lot harder to talk plan B when plan A has already failed, Mm. right? And so it's, it's gotta be. That's a great quote, Nicole. I love that. I should have put that in the book. It's okay. We, we recorded it. I'll send it to you. That's really good. Pretty good. I love that. It's pretty good. But it's a true. It's a true. You know, it's when you're when you're at your lowest point because your plan has already failed. That's not the time to figure out what we're doing next. Let's get it in place in advance. I love that. All right, what's the biggest challenge that you find most sports athletes face? Is it? I, I would assume it's not so much physical. I would assume it's more mental, but are there any specifics that you could think of? Hey, this is a big challenge for most people. Walking away from the game when it's time. I mean, that is the most difficult challenge for every athlete or at least most athletes. There is always a time to hang up the cleats, whether it's by choice or whether you are forced to do so because you are cut or injured or something else. No matter what, it is such a difficult moment, such a difficult decision. And there is a mourning period after it is done. Right. And I'm prepared for that. I prepare my athletes for it, but there's only so much you can really tell. It's almost like having a death, right? You, you, you can know that death is coming people. We will lose people in life, but until you're in that moment, it's hard to really understand. And so for my guys, I mean, yeah, it's like, it's almost like they have to mourn the game. And that is tough. Wow. Do do any does anybody bring up Tom Brady and be like I want to play until I'm fifty? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everybody wants to play that long, but unfortunately, the average NFL player only plays three point three years. No way! It is, it's a very short career. It's not like the NBA where you're seeing Whoa. guys thirty five plus. I mean, the Tom Brady's are five percent of the league, so three point three years is the average player. Yeah, and so it's you know I call the NFL not for long, and so we're immediately <laughs> having to come up. What's plan B? Where are we going from here? And let's start preparing our mental for when it's over because it's over before you realize it. Wow. That's, I didn't know that. Three, three point three years. Yeah, that's crazy. All right. Uh, so that's actually, that makes sense. That challenge that they come in with. Yeah. Interesting. All right. So I would assume some sports figures come in and they may feel that Wow, I'm not good enough to play at this level, um, but I'm assuming not most of them, but some of them do. How do you deal with that? Because you bring up the imposter syndrome, right? And I'm assuming some of these people 
are feeling like, well, I can never be as great at this, but I'm good enough to be here. Do you deal with that or not as much? I actually think it's the reverse. You know, it's the harder conversation of maybe your skill set is not NFL ah. ready. You know, there are hard conversations I have to have with college players that say, hey, you know, I think you're a phenomenal college player. The NFL doesn't see that it may translate to the league. And that's not a decision I make as an agent. The NFL mm -hmm. decides who's NFL ready and who's going to be a star. They have scouts and general managers that make that decision, not me. I'm just the messenger. But those conversations are really tough. So I, I see less of the imposter syndrome. And I don't Ooh. know what the the um, opposite of the imposter syndrome is, but that it's it's more it's of ego. that. It's more of <laughs> Yeah. And it's not even, I wouldn't even say it's ego. I mean, these, these are people with dreams and I get it. Right. If I have done something since I was five years old, you know, my, my husband played football and he'd always say, I have a PhD in football. It's, mm -hmm. it's what I've given my life to. And mm -hmm. then you tell me that I'm not good enough for the next level. I mean, that's, it's so hard for anyone to just to grasp and, and to accept. That's true. I didn't think about that. That's interesting. Yeah, it would totally be the opposite. All right. Yeah. So now when, when you talk about ditching the imposter syndrome, what are what are you referring to and how can we do that? Because you do have a lot of people in general just feeling like they're not good enough to do yeah. certain things. You know, the imposter syndrome is all about the way we view ourselves. And that's the sad part. It's everyone on the outside could say, man, Nicole Lynn is killing it. She's had first rounders. She's doing this and that. And I still feel like I'm not worthy or I'm not meant to be in the room or I'm lesser than others. And so it's really a mental internal battle. It's not about mm -hmm. perception. It's, it's an internal issue. And it's something that I have absolutely dealt with in my career. I'm sure many women have, no matter what industry they work in. And it's something that, you know, it's, it's ongoing. And so part of what I do is reminding myself that I'm qualified. Sometimes I have to remind myself that yeah, you're that girl. You got this. Like you, you, you crushed it. You know, it's the little pep talk talks. It's the words of affirmation, you know, and it's also surrounding myself with the right people that can, even mm -hmm. when I'm at the, my lowest, they can feed into me, you know, my husband, my great friends, like, Hey, you, you are worthy to sit in front of this top five pick. You don't need to worry. You know, you're, you are an amazing sports agent. It's like when you're in that moment, you almost forget all of the amazing things you've ever done. You know, I'm always like, oh my gosh, I'm a peasant. I can't believe I got this meeting. <laughs> and my husband's like, you're not a peasant. You're a boss. <laughs> That's right. You are. Oh, you are a boss. I appreciate him. <laughs> That's awesome. That's very, very cool. All right. So I'm assuming that this, the, in your case specifically, the imposter syndrome also comes from you being the first, right? In doing something that wasn't done before. And so yeah. having to break through that, is is a challenge i mean what what are some of those things that that kept you going and say hey look i can do this because at some point you're setting the standard there yeah, so, there is no okay. precedent you are it yeah so I, talk about that i mean it's really any trailblazer and it's not always just the first person but the first few people the first group of people that are breaking down barriers and knocking down the door you know like you just said there's no precedent there's no blueprint there's no one to ask and so me being comfortable with saying, I'm going to write my own story. I'm going to write my own blueprint that other people may or may not follow. And I'm comfortable in the decisions that I'm making in this role. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough. It's extremely tough when you have no one to look to, to kind of mimic what you're doing. 
Well, I'm glad you did it. Um, you seem extremely knowledgeable and very friendly. So I like, I like that combo. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate it. All right. So let's, let's talk about the, uh, the, the intro and that was with Gabrielle Union. I want to know how, I mean, what was that? Did you reach out? Did you be like, Hey, Gabrielle, can I get a, an intro? Or how'd that, how'd that roll out? You know, it's funny because my book is about being your own agent and then, you know, just advocating for yourself and going after those opportunities. And that was really a moment where I was like, wow, I am literally my own agent. This is being, this is really the epitome of agent. You, I, reached out to my literary agent and publisher. And I said, I really want Gabrielle Union to write my forward. Now, to be clear, I've never met this person. She's a celebrity. I do not know anything about her, except I've watched her on movies and I felt drawn to her through her social media, but we don't have any connections. <laughs> this is not one of those. And they tried to find her contact information and it was, you know, it's tough. How do you find a celebrity? You can't just Google. So, you know, they kind of came back and said, we, we haven't been able to find her contact. Let's start thinking about plan B. And I just, for me, that wasn't an option. I was like, let me just, let me take it in my own hands. And so I went on Twitter and I said, does anybody have a connection with Gabrielle Union? Please let me know. And then within 10 minutes, she was in my, my direct messages. She's in my DMs. And she was like, hey, it's Gabrielle Union. Were you looking for me? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, no way. This. I mean, I literally passed out. I was like, what is happening here? And so I, I, I told her about my book and, you know, sent her copies and then asked her if she would be interested in writing the forward after she read it and she said she'd be honored. And so I was just so excited, but it was a moment me as a sports agent, you know, I'm an agent for everybody else. And I got to really be my own agent, really take that risk, put myself out there. It's all about being vulnerable. You know, that's tough because I could have put that out there and then she never responded. You know, it's like, it's still, it's that vulnerability. So yeah, but it's, it's the epitome of agent you. It's the epitome of one of your chapters. Score a seat at the table. <laughs> exactly. It is. It is. Right. So what have you seen with, with your growth here when from when you first started to where you are now? Because I, I feel like that's how the book progresses, right? It, yeah, it does. How how have you changed? Like, what's one thing you say, hey, wow, you know, I can't believe that I, that I did that, even though I had to to grow, right? <laughs> I can't believe I did that, but if I look now, I would tell other people, skip that, don't do that. Instead, mm -hmm. do this to get here quicker. Anything that you could think of that would help people get to where they want to get to quicker? I don't know if I could get here quicker. I, you know, I'm sure that there was ever a faster route, but I will have... I will say, I wish there were a lot less tears along the way. You know, there were a lot of really emotional moments in my journey um, getting turned down by players that you recruit for two years and you get close to the family and mm. the girlfriend and you know, the player, like, like your family and they go with a different agent, you know, I mean, it is mm -hmm. soul crushing. And so I think if I could go back and tell myself or tell future agents, it's okay because you're going to get other guys that choose you, right. That choose you. And, and so I wish I could have, you know, in my book, I talk about never getting too high and never getting too low. That is something yes. I struggled with in the beginning. You know, I would, when I worked with another agent, I'd get so excited when I get a meeting with the guy and he's like, that doesn't mean you're getting it. Like you need to bring yourself down, but it, it's an emotional roller coaster. And so I wish I could have learned very quickly to just kind of be more even kill. And then I would get really low, you know, in the beginning before I understood to get, before I could get comfortable with losing, before I got mm -hmm. to that point, I mean, I was like just depressed, 
like, wow, all of these people are telling me no, you know, maybe I'm not good enough. And so I wish I could have understood that concept earlier on. How did you finally get there? Because you also talk about practicing self-care. And I think that's one thing that elite anything kind of goes out the window, unless you're an elite um, person that's doing specifically self-care, elite self-care. But most of the time, it's not that, right? So how did you get there and what do you recommend? Because I I feel like it's an ongoing challenge for most people. It is a huge challenge. It is my biggest daily challenge. You know, I've struggled with anxiety and even sometimes, you know, having some bouts of depression because I didn't focus on mental health. That was, I never had time to worry about how am I mentally? Am I okay? You know, I'm so worried about, are, are my athletes okay? Is, are their families okay? It was never, is Nicole Lynn okay? And so for me, it, it was a mindset change, which I'm still working on, you know, honestly, still working on, but it, it wasn't about the action of self-care. I talk about this in my book. It's about the mindset of, of taking time for myself. It's not actually getting the massage. It's changing my mindset that it's, it's okay for me to have a break. Right. And so that took, I mean, that still is a, is a journey because in my mind, I feel like I'm always getting behind. I need to be working. I could be doing this. I could be doing that. I feel like I'm wasting time. And in my book, I talk about this concept of existing, just existing and what that means. And so I would practice literally two minutes of being comfortable with existing. And this is not meditating. That's different because even meditating has a goal or this is not quite time with God. I mean, these are, this is like, I am just here and I am, you know, I think Brene Brown calls it white space. You know, I'm just, I'm I'm here. I am just a human. And this moment is not wasting time. It's almost like I had to train my brain and it it may sound insane to the people that are great with self-care, but for me, it was these little bitty steps of existing and then putting something into that existing time, you know, whether that's taking a walk or getting a massage or whatnot. Do you now set time for that? So like time for, for self so that you know, at least it happens. Is it in your schedule? How, mm-hmm. how does that work? I have to put it in the calendar. So I'm not the person that's going to be like, Oh, I'll take a break today. It has to be. I look at my calendar <laughs> and, and <laughs> I mean, it's just not going to happen. My husband has to be like, have you stopped working? So I look at my calendar and sometimes my executive assistant will help me with this. You know, I travel a bunch. It's like, okay, she's like, where's your off day? What what day's your off day? I'm like, I don't have an off day. Okay, well, let's figure it out. Can we do a half day? And then let's put it on the calendar. And so even when I plan like a massage, it's got to be planned out. I have to book it in advance. When I leave, I have to rebook immediately. I'm never going to call on my own. It's got to be, you want to rebook? Yes, let me put it on my calendar. And then trying to make it a priority, just like I do any other meeting. Mm -hmm. Right? If it's on my calendar, it's got to get done. That's the way I've got to look at it. So for me, that's the way that I do it. All right. Let, let's talk a little bit about your your schedule, your routine, just, just to help out those people listening in who are running businesses, right? And how, how is it that you work it? Do you have a digital calendar? Do you have something written? What do you feel more comfortable with? And what goes on in your calendar? Is it just the priorities or everything that you have to do? So because I represent 25 plus guys, there's so many little things that I have to remember. You know, it could be book this person a flight, call this person back. I mean, there's a lot of little things. And so I've tried a lot, you know, my calendar is one thing, but I also have a task list. And so sometimes I'll try to put those into one. So for example, yes, I have all my meetings on my calendar, 
but then I'll have, okay, here's my to-do list. And then I'll try to calendar time for some of the to-do list. So it's like 20 minutes, go to your task list. Because a lot of the stuff's like five minute things. It's like, oh, mail this letter, put a stamp on this letter, do this, do that. And so plugging in 20 minutes here and there throughout my day to go to my checklist or um, to go to my task list list. And so for me, it's that. And then when I'm traveling, everything's on my electric electronic calendar, everything. I need to be able to check it at any time. I don't find that reminders are that helpful. Like the ones that pop up, I, I miss them because I get yeah, so I many notifications on my phone. So I'm just, you know, in the all day, I'm kind of just checking my calendar. Okay. What am I supposed to be doing now? And then if there's a break there, great. But pretty much everything is calendar. You know, if I'm going to lunch with someone, it's on my calendar. All right. If it doesn't exist, it's not on your calendar. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. I wouldn't have been right. here today if this wasn't on my calendar. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness it was there. Barely made it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. All right. So then you, you talk about curating your tribe. And I think that's, that's super cool because that I think is is really the key to to longevity yeah. in any business, right? Yep. Yep. What are the secrets that that you can say, hey, these have worked for me, and I think they'll work for you too. What are those? You know, having and it's so cliche, but it's like having the right people around you is critical. I get asked if you could give me one piece of advice, what would it be? And if I had to pick one piece of advice for any person that wanted to be an agent or do something similar to what I do, I'd say, marry the right person, marry the right person, which I mean, it, that sounds insane, but my husband is so supportive of what I do. And he is my peace, right? He doesn't do any of the things for me, but he is, he is my, my peace. And having someone that is your cheerleader, whether that's a significant other or a friend or a coworker, someone that's in your corner, someone that you can bounce ideas off of. I mean, that has been a big part of my success. And I, I tell my husband, he, he jokes, but I'm like, I, I wouldn't be here without you because he kind of, you know, he keeps me grounded and making sure you're aligning yourself with people that have the same mission, right? If, if I married someone else, I'm traveling once a week. There is someone out there that does not want their wife traveling once a week. There is someone out there that doesn't want their wife meeting with you know, millionaire men every day, yeah. <laughs> there's someone out there. I mean, it's the truth, yep, right? And true. so it's, it's being able to make sure you have that. And then even when it comes to friendships, one thing I've learned and as I've gotten older is being open to new friendships. You know, I was very much, I've got my same friends I've had for a decade and they know me and I don't have time to make new friendships, but some of my new friendships, I mean, I can't imagine my life without some of those people. And you just never know who you need in different seasons. Right. Mm. And so being comfortable with new friendships, you know, and, and being open to that. I like that. Where, where did you and your husband meet? We met in college. We met in college. Oh, nice. So I yes. like that. That's cool. Was he playing football? He played football. Yeah. He played football. We're actually from the same hometown. So we didn't know each other, but we grew up like a mile apart. Oh, that's cool. Very weird. Yeah. Very weird. But yeah, he played football. Uh, he's actually a college coach now. I mean, it's, it's perfect. It's college DB, DB football coach. And so That's awesome. we live in the world. He gets it. Maybe if I mar- married an engineer, maybe he doesn't get it. I don't know. You know, it's, yeah, true. it's tough. And so he watches and likes football. You watch it, but don't I mean, like yeah. it. I'm done. 
I mean, it's fine. I'm joking. It's I'm not, joking. But it's more just like, you know, I'm going to watch like Grey's Anatomy or This Is Us in my free time. I'm not watching a game. Nice. You know, and, and games nice. give me anxiety. It's like my players, I don't want them to get hurt. And so. Oh, oh, that's true. I didn't think of that. I mean, it's terrible. I couldn't watch. Know? And especially when you represent quarterbacks and it's like, oh God, I want them to do well. It's, oh. it's a mess. And fans are awful sometimes. <laughs> and I'm they an are. empath. So I feel all the things. Mm. <laughs> That's tough. All right. So how how do you go out and get new clientele? What does that typically look like uh, on your schedule? Is it something that you set aside and say, hey, this is my prospecting time? And is it daily? Is it weekly? Is it ongoing? What does that look like? So traditionally, that is what that is what agents do. They have prospects. There's recruiting season. You know, they have their process. Because I worked as an attorney full time, I didn't have the free time that other agents had to recruit. And so... Mm-hmm. I made a decision that I was going to build up my brand on social media and kind of, you know, my outward facing brand so mm. that I would have players come to me. And that sounds insane, right? It's like, well, you know, agents, I mean, normally we're knocking down the doors of guys, but I made it very intentional about building out my brand so that even when I did go to recruit a player, they knew my name. You know, I wanted them to say, Oh, I've, I've heard that name before agent Nicole Lynn. That's a household name. And so I worked really hard on that, building my social media following, making sure that, like we talked about, I brand myself around my pillars. I talk about that in my book and that everything mm-hmm. that I do aligns with those pillars so that I was recognizable and, and it's helped me tremendously in my business. So a lot of times I'll reach out to guys and they know exactly who I am. So I'm not starting no from zero. Yeah, That's I'm not starting awesome. from ground zero of here's who I am. You know, early on, I'd have to explain to them, number one, yes, I know football. I know I'm a woman, but I promise I know. You know, it's like trying to prove my credibility and that I know the game. I don't have to do that as much anymore because I was really strategic in building my brand. So if I could give the listeners a tip, it doesn't matter if you're an attorney or you have a business or whatever that may be. You are a brand and you need to treat yourself as such. I love that. Yeah, I was looking at your Instagram in between and I was like, oh, that's really cool. You definitely are your brand, which is treat yourself like your brand. Yeah. So tell me, what are you looking forward to in the next couple of years here that you're excited about or just this year? Because the world's changed so much and now it's kind of changing back. Right. But yeah. with a new perspective. You know, I'm I'm looking forward to finding even more balance when we were you know, obviously in quarantine we as agents had to act differently. We did more zoom meetings when we were recruiting. We couldn't go to as many games and you know what? Everybody was just fine with that. Players still were were okay. We still were able to do our jobs. I was still able to recruit clients and it really opened up my eyes to knowing I don't have to be on the road a hundred days a year. And so I look forward to implementing the few good things in quarantine, you know, obviously not something we ever want to go through again, but the few things that I learned, into my future life as the world opens. And then also, you know, signing great players, continuing to do, you know, I love to write. And so maybe write another book, pushing this book. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> Speaking like engagements, empowering women. Those are I like that. Books. So how often do you typically speak or go out there and do panels or Zooms? Um, I don't have a ton of free time. So, you know, I get a lot of requests. So, you know, a few times a year, five or six times a year, and I'm pretty particular on the ones that I choose. It just kind of has to make sense. But I love to do it, especially when it's entrepreneurs that are trying to get over that hump. 
because you know, you, I'm different, right? I'm a sports agent, but I'm also an entrepreneur. I yeah. have business as an agent, you know, my, my NFL players are my clients. I had to market, I had to put money up, all of that. So, so as a sports agent here, when, when you are working with, with a company, right? You hang, is it like you, you, is it like real estate where you hang your license at a brokerage and the brokerage keeps a small percentage of everything you make? Same thing here. Uh, that's how it can be. There's different structures. So in my previous situation, that, that was how it was. Now I'm in a little bit of a different situation, but for the past six years, that was it. It was, here's the name and you build out your business, you invest your money. And so, you know, it very much is like having a business. It's no different than if I was selling chairs and tables, you know, I still have to market and build clientele. All right. And, and with your sports figures, do you have to have, do you ever have to reach out to one and be like, dude, why did you buy the Ferrari? Why? <laughs> Not my guys. My guys are amazing. Okay, good. <laughs> Just wondering. Oh, I mean, I've been super blessed to represent just really smart young men that just get it. You know, I know that that's probably conversations that a lot of agents have to have, but I've been pretty fortunate not to have to do that yet. See, I was watching ballers too much. That's why I was like, all right, for, for everybody listening in, please, please pick up Nicole Lynn's new book, Agent You. It's on Amazon. It's going to be everywhere. So pick it up. Very, very, very well written. Great information. It's really a blueprint to to help you grow as an individual and your business. So a lot of great stories there. She puts herself into it. You'll love it. Pick up agent. Yeah. And follow her on Instagram and anywhere else you want people to follow you. Instagram, Twitter, agent Nicole M. So it's the same on both. Well, thank you, Nicole. Appreciate your thank time. You. Thank you. Thank you for taking us through that journey. And I loved it. So thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you as well. Those are all the brilliant thoughts that we have for you today. If you like what you're hearing, drop us a review or just tell your friends. This has been a success podcast. Head to success.com slash podcast to hear more just like it. <laughs>